0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here. A little bit of a light crowd on Mother's Day, but, um, that is all right. People honoring their mothers other places, always good. Um, I was, I want to ask Andy Squires to come up for a moment. Andy is in the process of, um, raising money for uh, the next album he's going to do. And one of our callings here at the church really has to do with the development of uh, worship leaders and singer-songwriters, and there are a lot of people who come here who already have their music out, and there are others who will eventually. And one of the problems is the music industry is such a difficult uh, sort of business culture that it's, it's really hard for people who are legitimately excellent singers and songwriters and musicians to get their stuff out. And, and Andy Squires, in all honesty, is one of the top singer-songwriters in the thing that he does. He really is. He really is. And... um. It, it was interesting. We heard, we heard this week that, uh, well, th- there are people that sing Andy's songs in South America. I mean, like, some of those hits have like, what, 300,000, 400,000 hits on them or more? Million, 50 million. 50 million. Hello? <laughs> I would like to thank 50 million people who've heard one of my best messages. It's not true. And so we have people here that can influence the world in an authentic, legitimate, but spiritual way. And Andy is one of those guys. Actually, we I see Leonard Jones back there. Leonard Jones is, you know, he won't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He is going to go down in history as having been an integral part of a person that changed Christian music. And there he is, sitting in the back, humble. Sometimes people don't like him. He told us that last Sunday, and he doesn't know why. I'm, still, But Leonard is a great guy. And so we have um, a history in this region, in this area, in our circles, of remarkable singer-songwriters that have touched the nations. And I don't need to go start listing everybody. I can think of five right now that are part of us. So, Andy, why don't you tell them about your kickstarter um so i'm i'm getting ready to record
1: a brand new record and uh one of the songs that's going to be on this record i many of you know it we sing it here on sunday mornings it's called you bring the morning how many of you guys know that song you bring yeah so we're gearing up to uh release that song into the world i just i don't think i've ever uh told you guys how that song came to be generally speaking when i'm writing I, I, I write, I'm a diligent writer. I write often whether I feel inspired or not. That's kind of how to do it. In fact, I'm, the way I figured it out is I have to do it all the time in order to get good content. But um, a year ago in March of 2017, I was doing a little tour up in the northeast and I was driving through New York State. And um, because of a, a, a series of unfortunate events, um, I started, uh, my chest grew real tight. And I stopped, stopped being able to breathe. And, uh, I started freaking out in my car. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I'm having a heart attack driving in my car and Googling, um, the symptoms of my heart attack. <clears throat> and, um, and, and it was great. It was such a relief because I found out I wasn't having a heart attack. I was only having a panic attack. So, um, I was, I was very thankful for that. <laughs> Anyways, I pulled over to the side of the road at a rest stop and I had my guitar in the front seat with me and I grabbed my guitar and, um, I don't know why I, I just started strumming these chords and I just started singing. You bring the gladness. I'll bring the gleaming. You bring the glory. I'll bring the singing. You bring the table. I'll bring the feasting somewhere in the distance. I hear wedding bells ringing and it was that easy and it was, I hadn't even gotten to the chorus, but I knew the chorus was, a, it was like inches away. And I spent the next 30 minutes in that rest stop writing the rest of the song. And um, what I really believe about this record is that there's a, there's a vulnerability attached to it that's going to really open the doors for people to come into the goodness of the Lord in a way that, I don't know, I don't want to say it's unique, but it's unique. And... Um, mm-hmm. Little you. Yeah. <laughs> And, and here's the thing, um, these, these, this, these songs, these stories, they're connected to you guys. They're connected to what we do here at Queen City. They're connected. My story is your story. We're running together and we're, we're doing this together. And so, um, I've got a, I've got a Kickstarter campaign going. I don't know if many of you are familiar with that, but, um, you can go to Kickstarter.com. You can type in my name and, uh, you can, you can give any amount that you want. You can give five bucks. You can give 5,000 bucks. I will take it all, no matter, you know, matter, whatever. But the thing about Kickstarter is if I don't hit my goal, I don't get any of the money. So there's, a, there's an urgency attached to it, um, and I, I'm, it's, it's compelling because in that urgency, I feel like uh, it, it's, it's kind of inspiring that um, we can do this together. So um, I would really appreciate you all if you if you went ahead and pre-ordered my record, and Got this thing taken care of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's pray. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lord, thank you for Andy. Thank you for um, what he's meant to us. And thank you for what he has meant to people that have never met him, that have simply heard the gift you have deposited in him as he's developed it. So we ask that you would provide everything for this uh, project that's unique and perhaps the best thing that has ever been done anywhere. I swear you laugh. In Jesus' name, (laughs) amen. So cool. Well, today is a day to remember and appreciate and honor mothers. John Mark's done a really good job, and Sarah as well. And what I want to do is look at a remarkable mother, and the mother I'm talking about this morning is Jesus, Mother Mary. Um, and there are a number of things I believe the Lord wants to speak to us about her that comes out of her life. And the first one is the value of having faith. And the second one would be God's faithfulness. So we're going to look at least two things today, and then I'm going to go off on various rabbit trails that. I just like to talk about that may not have anything to do with this. Maybe you can pray me back in at a given point. But anyway, um, Mary's life reveals such remarkable aspects of the Lord and personal characteristics that I think are really, really encouraging. And so what I'm going to do is, um, how many of you were here for Brian Simmons last week? Uh, a lot of you weren't. That's too bad. Well, he has written, uh he didn't write the Bible. He's done a new translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation. And he was with us last week. And I'm going to read um, out of Luke chapter 1, if you would like to look that up on your ways and means, your Bible, your phone or whatever. Um, I'm going to read about 15 verses because I think it's really, really important. And in Luke chapter 1, to set the stage... It's a record of uh, two supernatural pregnancies. The first one, of course, um, is Elizabeth, who was an, uh, Mary's aunt, and um, of course, the other one is the impregnation by the Holy Spirit of of Mary herself. And um, so, I'm going to start in verse 26. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel. i got to make a note. I keep... Let, let me stop myself here. Thank you. I do not think we truly understand the significance um, of angelic participation in our lives. The Bible is very clear. It says about children, their angels always behold the face of God. That's one thing it says. Psalm 91, it says, angels, he, he has given angels charge over you in all, somebody say all, all your Ways, and then we see the amazing significance of angels all throughout the New Testament. Um, angels appeared in dreams to Joseph to keep him from uh, keeping uh mary and, J- and jesus in a in a place where they could die prematurely. Um, angels uh, appeared to Peter in prison, and uh it's interesting what angels do sometimes people have actually talked to angels. Angels have talked back to people. It's really an interesting dynamic that you don't hear a whole lot of. Uh, When Peter was in prison, he was so deeply asleep, the angel hit him to wake him up. Now, that says a lot about Peter. He could sleep in prison when his life was being threatened. And I think it's because he knew Jesus. But he had this angelic visitation, and the angel actually... Um, opened a door for Peter and he walked right out of prison. So angels are important and the Holy Spirit's important. And I want us to stop and do something. I want us to stop and pray that both the Holy Spirit or, and any angelic help that we need would be available to us this morning. Now, how many of you want to do that? I'm not praying to angels. Don't, don't, but I'm asking if angels are ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation. How many heirs of salvation do we have in here? Several of you. We can have an altar call and get the rest of you here at the end. Ministering spirits for heirs of salvation. So stand up with me. Let's pray. How many of you want significant help this morning? Yeah, I do too. And I believe God's here to do it. Father, we're asking for your help this morning. We're asking, of course, Holy Spirit for your intervention. You are the God that touches and changes hearts. You are the God that energizes the word uh, to, to enable us to grow and develop and change and do all the things. And also, Lord, we ask for every angelic help this morning, ministering spirits for the heirs, uh, those beings that you have assigned to each life, we ask in Jesus' name that you would touch us deeply. Amen. Amen. I feel better now. So, Gabriel appears to Mary, and this is what happens. Gabriel says, grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her, but the angel reassured her, saying, do not yield To your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month, Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. I want to read that verse 37 one more time. It's so powerful. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. That is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea, to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. And so that's what we have here this morning. We have two supernatural births. And... Um, we're looking in particular at, at Mary. And so when the angel of the Lord came to Mary, it says he gave her this promise. He told her this utterly unbelievable thing. And, and Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. One of the scriptures, one of the um, parts of the verse that really stood out to me here was, do not yield to your fear. Do not yield to your fear. And so when you look at Mary's life, she was most likely a teenager. She was she was not um, up in years at all, and you wonder how in the world she can actually relate um, to this whole encounter. And so she was deeply troubled, and yet the angel reassured her and told her, "Don't yield to your fear." Let me ask you, how many of you how many of you deal with fear? Why don't you stand up if you deal with fear? wow, I was afraid of this. (laughs) No. Um, Arthur Burt used to make a connection between uh, believing wrong things and fear. There's joy and peace in believing. We find that in Romans, I think it's it's either Romans 13 or Romans 15. So there's a direct um, result of how you feel based on what you believe. Everybody got that? And so Arthur used to say this, fear is built on a lie. Deal deal with the lie, fear will die. Deal with the fear, and fear is still here. And so I'm going to pray, first of all, that any of the fear anyone has here that's directly corrected, Uh, directly connected to an inaccurate belief system, the Lord will walk you through that. How many of you are up for that? You want to see the thing. Now, the trouble with that is you believe what you believe because you think it's true. And so it takes a certain humility to admit you're wrong, but if that thing torments or terrorizes you, that's what you need to do. So, Father, number one, I pray that you would uncover every lie of the enemy that has engendered fear that you would release people from any of the influence that has come and that the light of your truth would penetrate. And, Father, I also ask that um, you would deliver us from evil. And also, Lord, I ask that the reality of that word the angel gave Mary would penetrate our hearts, that we have the capacity to not yield to fear. So here's that word, do not fear. Do not yield to it. Do not give up one inch of space to that thing. But withstand it in the name of Jesus. Okay, Amen. I wanted to do that because fear is a terrible thing. Now, one of the things that comes out of this story, we find in uh, Luke one, verse thirty-seven. And in Luke 1:37, it says, Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Let's say that together. Nothing is impossible with God. Another part of that verse, it says, Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Let's just let that rest on us for a second. Not one promise. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Maybe you're facing something that's impossible. Here's what the Bible says. Nothing is impossible with God. Maybe there are things that that you need a breakthrough, you need a change, you don't think it will ever come. It's impossible. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Maybe your breakthrough hasn't come yet. Well, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Well, maybe it doesn't make sense that God would do it. Well, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Well, the doctor said, well, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Well, you don't know how I feel. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But nothing, somebody help me here, nothing is impossible with God. An 18-year-old young Jewish maiden is visited by the angel of the Lord in one of the most, not one of the most, in the most remarkable encounter a human being can have. And the word of promise Received by her, when she did not yield to fear, birthed the Savior of the world, the very Son of God. Because no promise from God is without power. Nothing's impossible. Well, Mary had faith. That's a great attribute. She was willing to believe for the impossible. When Mary heard the word of the promise, she said, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. It says in the New King James, which is um, sort of my foundational translation, there Mary said, Be it unto me according to your word. And that's a remarkable thing for her to have said. If you begin to understand the implications here, Mary was betrothed but not married. In Jewish culture, you had a year-long um, aspect of the relationship before the actual marriage ceremony where you were considered engaged to betrothed, but it was only after that you consummated the wedding through, the, through a marriage ceremony. Now, If you as a young lady were found pregnant and you weren't married, it was punishable by death. And so in light of that, can you imagine what kind of faith Mary had to believe this Remarkable promise. It's really, really incredible. And I don't think any of us are in danger of being put to death for our present condition or being put to death for anything God might do in our lives. But the mother, the most remarkable mother in the world, was willing to walk through that. She really was. She was willing to live a life of risk. You know, that's part of the testimony I have of my wife. She has been willing to live A life of risk. She married me. We've lived a risky life. I can't tell you the number of times we have completely stopped doing one thing to do the next when there was no reasonable way to assume what we were about to do was going to work. I went through at least two periods in my life that if I had not heard from the Lord, I was going to lose everything I had. Everything I had. We would be looking for a house to live in because they would have taken our house. We talked through that. She said, what if they take our house and this doesn't work? I said, we will simply go live with someone else. (laughs) That's what we'll do. There's got to be a sucker out there somewhere (laughs) that wants six additional people in their home (laughs) who can't pay rent. One time the Lord actually told me, if you don't come into ministry right now, I'll never talk to you about it again. And he wasn't mean about it, but I believed what he said was true. We had to take a risk. So we launched into a ministry we didn't have with money we didn't have. And yet here we are, here we sit, still alive, still eating. Never lost our house, never lost our car, never lost any of that. But we had to take a risk. But see, that's who Mary was. Mary was willing to take a risk. It's very important that we have that kind of faith. Now, you need to know what you're doing too. You don't want to do something the Lord hasn't told you to do to try to get him to do what you want him to do. Everybody understand the difference there? It, it really does not work. It does not work. But It's amazing. Now, here's the next thing that really encouraged me was that God will send you friends to help your faith. Say that with me. God will send me friends to help my faith. Luke one thirty four and 36, your aged aunt has become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in the sixth month. Now, when you go back and read prelim, uh, prior... Verses of scripture, the angel of the Lord comes to Zacharias and he he tells Zacharias, he says, um, the prayer you no longer pray is about to be answered. He's saying what? He says, you're going to have a son. Well, the Bible tell, tells us that Zacharias describes himself as an old man and he describes his wife as a woman well advanced in years. And, uh. Stephen Roach made the point that Zacharias had learned something in his marriage relationship. He described himself as an old man, but his wife was simply a woman who had progressed pleasantly and lovingly in, in, in other words. But she was too old to bear. She was too old to bear. And so the angel of the Lord had come to, to Elizabeth um, six months before he came to Mary. And by the grace of God, he got Zacharias and Elizabeth to believe that he could do what he told them he could do, and they were impregnated, and in the sixth month, the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and what's going to be born in you will be a king who shall reign forever, named Jesus, who is the Son of God. And then he says, and by the way, you didn't know this, but your, what was it, cousin or aunt has been pregnant for six months. Go see her. And so Mary, let me see, she, uh, she got on her cell phone. She said, I got to confirm this. No, they didn't know. She didn't know. And so when God tells you something, we sometimes feel like, well, I don't have enough faith. Well, you probably don't. You probably need some more help. But he is ready, willing, and able to put an Elizabeth in a Mary's life. He, he is, he wants to release You know, it's so important that we're faithful in what God gives us because our testimony is going to save someone else's life. We should never be ashamed of what God has done for us. We should freely share the things God has done for us. And so we discover that um, Mary takes off, goes to Elizabeth's house, and she finds out that, sure enough, Elizabeth has become pregnant too. And so you have this picture here. Mary did not know in the natural that Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth did not know in the natural that Mary was uh, pregnant. And so when Mary walks into Elizabeth's front door and hears her greeting, when Mary walks in Elizabeth's front door, Elizabeth hears her greeting and she says, oh my goodness, my child has leapt in my womb at hearing the voice of the woman who will bear the Son of God. That's pretty good confirmation that you've been hearing from God, isn't it? Woo, That's awesome. That's amazing. So, listen, you're not on your own. God's going to give you a friend. God will give Mary and Elizabeth, but there's got to be an Elizabeth first. And Elizabeth didn't have to have the faith Mary had, but she had to have a lot because they were beyond the years of bearing. Um, God was willing to fortify her faith through the miracle pregnancy of her aged aunt. I really love that. I love that idea of the word of knowledge that came to um, to Mary about her aunt. And I love the witness of the spirit that Elizabeth had when... Um, Mary comes through the door. That to me is so remarkable. You know, the Bible is such a supernatural book. How many of you understand that? Um, Do you want to live a normal life or do you want to live one of these? Let's ask God to be supernatural for us. Anybody want to do that? Okay, stand up. Not really. Lord, getting Episcopalian on it. Lord, we want to live a supernatural life. We want divine help. We want inspiration. We want revelation. We want our spirits to leap at the reality of what is fresh and new that you're doing. We want eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, I have another example of Naomi and Ruth. Naomi had moved from Bethlehem, Judah, to Moab with her husband and her two sons. And her husband died and her two sons died, leaving their wives as widows. Now, if you read through there from the text, it suggested that they never should have moved. How many of you have done the wrong thing? Nobody. Okay. No, they did the wrong thing. How, how many people do the wrong thing and they don't believe God will help them? That's a pretty, pretty serious mistake. So let's assume they did the wrong thing. Let's assume they left Bethlehem, the house of bread, and went to um, to Moab, which was basically an enemy of Israel because they were afraid they God wasn't going to provide for them. Man, how many people make the wrong choice because of fear of provision or lack of it? Now, both her children die and her husband dies, so Naomi is now a widow. And being a widow in their culture was usually a death sentence. There's no one to care for you and there were no children coming either. So we could say that all of Naomi's sorrows were of a result of doing the wrong thing. I have a book coming out in um, August and the title of the book is Harbinger of Hope. And it's built around an encounter I had with the Lord. And part of that encounter really speaks directly to this situation. The Lord wants to deliver people from what they deserve. Let me say that a different way. The Lord wants to deliver people from what they deserve. And see, there is, um, particularly in a southern Bible Belt culture, there's a lot of we got to earn it that goes on. You can't earn what God wants to do for you. You can't. And if you think you can, it restricts the capacity of the flow. But God wants to deliver us from what we deserve. You know, there are things that happened to us that we didn't do, and it still hurt us. Well, we, we can believe he wants to help us there, but what about you did the wrong thing, you did it for the wrong reason, you knew you were doing it at the time, and you got in a mess, would God want to help you? Anybody in that category here? The answer is yes, he wants to help you. You did the wrong thing. You shouldn't have done it. Or maybe something happened and you're just in a mess. Guess what God wants to do? He wants to deliver you. He wants to change your circumstance. He wants to pull you out of whatever that is. And so what we have here in the story of Naomi, one of her daughter-in-laws was named Ruth. And Naomi had decided she was going to go back home to Bethlehem. And so she went back home completely defeated. And she had told both her daughter in laws, "Don't come back with me. There's nothing there for you." And um, actually, there was a, there was a law in Israel that uh, no, no Moabite could even be allowed in the in the temple compound. And so Ruth was a Moabite; she was not going to be well received. But she told Naomi, no, nah, I'm going to go with you. You can't keep me from going." And so then we begin to see something very interesting here with the names. Naomi's name means pleasant or gracious, delightful, beautiful, or agreeable. And Ruth's name means friend. Well, when Naomi goes back to Bethlehem, she says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. What she's saying is don't call me pleasant, don't call me gracious, don't call me beautiful, call me bitter, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. He has taking taken everything away from me that I have. So she discouraged both her daughter in laws. Ruth went anyway. Now when they get back to Bethlehem, um, through a miraculous and divinely orchestrated set of circumstances, Ruth meets a man named Boaz. And Boaz was one of the very few Jewish men who would be forthright enough or love her enough, however you want to put it, to consider marrying her because of the social Jewish complications. So Ruth and Boaz get married. Ruth has a son, Obed, and Obed later had a son, Jesse, and Jesse later had a son, and what was his name? David. And so here's what happens. Naomi's um naomi 's uh, fortunes are completely reversed. Why? Because God put a ruth in a naomi 's life. God put a friend in her life. God did something remarkable but and this is the crazy thing initially, the very thing God had. For Naomi that could save and rescue and reverse her difficulty she tried to push away and to me that's very telling because I believe God always puts a Ruth in our lives God always puts a person a setup or a situation that will help us when we're in a mess listen God's put a Ruth in your Naomi crisis what do I mean God's always faithful. He always provides for us. Now, the problem is our situation, our circumstance may suggest otherwise. What do you do when what I'm saying to you this morning does not sound true? What do you think when I say God will always provide? And in your mind, episodes of lack of provision, situations where he didn't come through uh, emerge and begin to look at you. What do you say to those things? Do you know what I think you should say to those things? In the light of God not providing, I think you should say, God always provides. Well, isn't that foolish? Well, of course it is. But it's a whole lot better than saying God never provides and he doesn't carry into that downward spot. No, because here's what we need to understand. In Matthew 7, 7 and 8, it says, ask and it will be given to you who can say the rest with me. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks does what? Receives. And he who seeks does what? Finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Now the verb tense there is ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. What's his promise? You'll get your answer. You'll find what you need. Things will be open to you. So, one of the things I've thought about too is in Jeremiah seventeen five through eight. You know, one of the things John Mark said this morning that I really appreciated was uh, he had us raise our hands and he was saying that being a Christian is not as much signing a contract as it is a heart. a heart condition, having a heart open to the Lord. And see, the truth of the matter is the condition of your heart will enable you to stay in greater touch with the Lord, or if the condition of your heart is not good, it can actually restrict your ability to perceive God's goodness. You see, you have to have some baselines. Here's my baseline through every danger, toll, to snare, calamity, misunderstanding, and complication. God's good. That's my baseline. God doesn't lie. That's my baseline. That's my that's my that's as far as I'm gonna go. That's where I'm gonna land. If my life's a mess, that's on me. It's not on God. That to me is my philosophy. If everything fell apart and there was somebody to blame, here I am. Here I am. If, if someone else is the person to blame to you, 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 I think you're going to have to reconsider because here's the thing that would terrify me is that someone else could hold me hostage. Someone else's attitude, someone else's action towards me could keep me from becoming who God wants me to become because of my poor response to what's happened to me or what they've done. I I refuse to be held hostage. Well, in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, it says this. Well, let me read 7 first. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? You want me to read that again? Let's have a vote on it. All in favor of blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Jeremiah seventeen. Just preliminary, preliminary, just before that verse, couldn't get that out. Jeremiah says this. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Well, what will he be like? He should be like a tumbleweed or a shrub in the desert and shall not see good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. And so what Jeremiah is saying is God's not going to curse you. What he's saying here is that the quality of your life diminishes and is naturally restricted as you depend on people to be your answer and your solution. And he actually says this if your primary trust is in man, your spiritual life will wither. You'll dry up. And when you're in a mess and you're asking for help, God, who is good, will send you help, but you will not be in a frame of mind to recognize what he sent when he sends it. That's what he's saying here. Uh, if... if Ruth had not been persistent, Naomi would have missed the friend God had placed in her life to enable her to become everything she needed to become. So we really need to be humble. We need to be careful. We need to ask and keep on asking. We need to seek and keep on seeking. We need to keep. On knocking. And if our lives don't work, here's what we need to do. We need to side with God over it and not against God over it. We need to take personal responsibility and say, if this is not working, this has got something to do with me, not with you. Could be an attitude to my heart. Could be unforgiveness. And see, we have this idea that if if we're unforgiving, we get punished. Well, that, that that's not really the clearest way to look at it. If we're unforgiving, we can't actually see or feel or embrace the goodness and the good things God wants to do for us to, to help us with the very things we're crying out for. This is such an important point. Robin, you should make it again. Okay. No. But let me just say this. God will put a friend in your crisis. Now, here's a remarkable thing. What if there's actually no friend there? Well, when there's no friend there, there's still a friend there. Because Proverbs 18.24 says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who do you think that is? That's Jesus. Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And one of the criticisms the Pharisees had of Jesus was, they called him a friend of sinners. How, how many of you are happy Jesus is a, a friend of sinners? The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, Jesus said. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So amazing. So amazing. God did such a remarkable thing for Mary. God gave her an absolutely unbelievable promise, put someone in her life to help her believe. Someone who had a very similar promise. Someone who needed a supernatural deposit from God to see that thing fulfilled in her life. One of the things the Lord has shown me about Mary is in Luke one twenty-eight. This is the New King James. It's a little bit different than the Passion Translation. But when the angel came in, To Mary, he said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Let's say that together. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. That's what the angel said to Mary. Those specific words... Highly favored one are only repeated twice in the New Testament. Mary was called highly... How many of you can see that Mary was highly favored? Do you see the ramifications for the favor she had on her life? The remarkable ability God put there to preserve her, to release the promise in her life. The other place it shows up is in Ephesians one six where it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So the attitude and the favor Mary had that will enable her to overcome, that word is only used one other time and it's used for everyone who believes in Jesus. You have the capacity to receive the same kind of help Mary had. You can turn that corner because you've been endued, the Bible says, with special honor. That's what that word means, endued with special honor. Only occurs in these two places. It means that what God did for Mary, he will do for you. It means that how God felt about Mary, he feels the same way about you. Amen? Okie doke. I've had a thought a couple of times. Um, has anyone here been diagnosed with cancer? Anyone here been diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, you have? I felt twice the Lord said he wanted to really touch someone who had been diagnosed either with a cancer or something considered back here as well. Yeah. Essentially incurable. Do you mind standing up and letting us pray for you? You do mind? Oh, we okay, that's all right. Oh, okay. Well, Father, we ask, oh, you've already come through it and you're good. Oh, awesome. There you go. Well, Father, we do, we pray now for um those who have been diagnosed with that we ask for complete restoration, complete healing of all complications. We ask right now in Jesus' name. We release grace and peace. We release uh, health. We break off any uh, fear of it returning. We ask, Lord, uh, you who highly favor each one of us, we ask for that favor, that mercy. Lord, that flow to come. That flow to come. In Jesus' name. Brandon, is that your dad? Yeah. And what is your name? Mike. Yeah, I, uh, this is a little bit strange, but I think it'll be okay. I saw the Lord, um, opening up, um, some thought areas in your thinking. Um, it's it's like some brand new things the Lord was wanting you to think about that have encouragement and hope and confidence built into it. It's like a new viewpoint, new perspective. Not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way you've been thinking, but I think it's like an impartation from the Lord to touch your mind and to touch just um, all of that. And yeah, that's a really good promise. I would like for the Lord to do that for me as well. <laughs> How many of you want to think better? Why don't we just ask the Lord to give us that? Anybody else want that? You know, when God offers somebody something, it's a demonstration of what he wants everybody to have. It's not like, well, I like Michael, I don't like the rest of you. No. So actually, here's the interesting thing. Um, Tom, I see the same I can see certain things. I see the same thing on you, Tom. It's like a, a new liberty in thought processes. Actually, I'm seeing like an anoint, I, I know this is a little bit different for people. It's like I'm seeing an anointing. Uh, uh, I see it too on Eric Hurchin back there. I think, yeah, a new way, a uh, uh, liberty. It's hard to put into words, but it's a really good thing. It's like, um, uh, a breakthrough thought process. It's like something that, that is trant. I see it on Tim Flockman too. I don't know what happened to the ladies this Mother's Day, but, um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> this is the audience participation part of the service this morning. Our prayers are being answered. Thank God, right? <laughs> who, who wants to be an idiot? Not me. I mean, oh, that is too funny. That is too funny. I just think some really good things. How many, how many of you feel like a new joy settling on you? Anybody feel that? That's good. Let's affirm it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you know that um, I've understood this? Uh, angels like to hang around happy people. A lot of times, the happier we are, the better things work out for us. We don't really get it. So, how many of you want to be happy? Happy? Let's ask. Let's ask for the spirit of happiness to touch our lives. Anybody want to do that? Come on. Just a few of you. Okay, the rest of you keep what you got. No, Father, we we ask for the joy of the Lord to strengthen us. We ask for wisdom to, um. Eat the sweet and reject the bitter. We ask that you would give us wisdom to show us the difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I do know we have prayer teams for anyone that like to be prayed for. If you'll come up as we dismiss, which we are doing right now, uh, we'll be glad to minister to you, and it'll be good. Mothers, God bless you. Thank you for all you are and all you've done and are going to do. And have a great week.